The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Ah! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the Tiger? night to be a mountaineer wherever you may be agent back to pass rush down the pocket throwing it downfield it's into the end zone here are your hosts jordan nice warner luke wiggs and parker stone it is thursday the 6th and you're tuned in to panhandle sports live i'm jordan nice warner alongside me luke wiggs and parker stone good morning fellas morning Morning. how we doing on this thursday it's the last day of the week for us. So pretty nice to do a little short week. Yeah, got. Uh, we'll be off the air tomorrow. We'll have a best of uh, tomorrow for both Panhandle Sports Live and Panhandle Live because it is a good Friday. But that doesn't mean we don't have anything going on. We had baseball. Uh, well, we had softball on the air last night here on WEPM. Shepard Rams in action. And we also got the Masters starting up today, too. So we'll get talking about that. But let's talk about that Shepard softball game. Luke, get a sweep. Yeah, a really important sweep at that against Frostburg. Uh, this is a team from the Mountain East Conference that's won 20 games this year. Uh, they're a really talented offense, average scoring seven runs a game. But in the first game, Shepard, having McBride was unbelievable. Goes seven innings, only gives up three hits, one run, three walks. Um, and it was great to see Shepard really win a close game like this. You know, they eked out their two runs. Uh, the second run, uh, a little bit controversial. Uh, Pertel was at second base. There's a throw to first, mishandled by the first baseman, and with two outs running all the way, she was able to score. Um, you know, a little bit of heads up base running that netted Shepard that first win. And McBride doing this as just a freshman is kind of in and out and as a key piece in the starting lineup for Coach Leslie, uh, or I should say in the rotation, and certainly has solidified herself. This is her third start, certainly her best of the season, and probably the best team she's played against. So they take game one, and then they turn around in game two and come out kind of flat um, to begin this game. You know, they throw their ace in, in this game, and Hannah Ruffner, she gives up two runs in the first inning, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, you know, they might have run out of gas. But they respond in turn with, 10 consecutive unanswered runs uh, to Mercy Rule. Frostburg in the second game, 10-2. to two. Fall behind 2 nothing, but then immediately scored three runs in the bottom of the first inning and got production really up and down the lineup in this game. It was uh, really fun to see. Nicole Pertel had uh, a multi-hit game. Kylie Condon, who we named the player of the game yesterday, three hits, drives in two, stole a base, stole a couple of runs as well. Clatterbuck uh, had a pr- uh, productive day. Isabella Fort as well. Um, the first time I've had prolonged exposure to this team, and I'll say a lot of what I said about Jefferson. I like teams that have productive at-bats, which this team certainly did. You know, if you're able to see pitches, fight off tough two-strike pitches to stay alive in counts, uh, and teams that are really smart, not necessarily aggressive, but really smart on the base paths. Shepard is both of those things. They've got hitters uh, strung up and down their lineup. Obviously, Pertel at the top can do the lion's share of damage, but, you know, they hit... Alex Mance last in both of these games to catch you. I also thought played a great game defensively. Threw out a base runner. It was a tough play at home. She was able to hang on to the ball. But she's hitting over 300. In fact, she's hitting over 350, and she's your number nine hitter. It's a really talented team uh, that claimed two really important wins that put them in a pretty good position to uh, be on uh, very close to the outside looking in for regional rankings when they come up. Shepard, of course, made it two years ago. Didn't make it last year. But the biggest thing upcoming for this team now is they're just 4-8 and eight in conference play. They've got six consecutive home games 
two against Millersville, two against Westchester, two against Shippensburg in conference play. Um, they need to right the ship. I'd say they probably need to take four of those two games at least to get back to winning ways and prove that they can win in conference play. But it all started, uh, hopefully, with some momentum they can pull from beating a very good Frostburg team in both games. And you were able to catch up with Coach after the game. Uh, let's start with the first game and the performance that you got um, from Abby. Her third start, you have to argue, it's her best of the season. She did it against a very good team. What did she do well? Um, she just she stayed focused. Uh, you know, she battled in some counts. And we had good, great defense behind her. So she she threw the ball in position, and, and our kids, they played, they played the ball well and got the outs that we needed to take care of the game. Some of the uh, at-bats that you guys got at the plate today, uh, fantastic. Saw a lot of pitches, fought off a lot of tough two-strike pitches to extend at-bats that led to quality performances. Um, Can you talk about your team's approach today because they saw a lot of pitches and and really worked hard in counts? Yeah, they did actually see a lot of pitches. Um, Gosh, you know what? It's just them being disciplined, you know, because sometimes we're not, and then other days we're really good. And I think, you know, after the first win... Um, I feel like that helped our confidence and, and just we were able to see the ball a little bit better. I mean, they, they, their pitching wasn't super fast, so it, it is a little bit easier to battling counts and kind of tell whether it's a ball or strikes, obviously. Um, so, you know, it was too full, but, you know, we did. We just chipped away and fouled it off till we got it, got it hit <laughs> sometimes. Uh, and asking about Hannah in the second game, struggled a little bit early, settled in. Can you talk about the confidence that you've had in her? Works around a little bit of a jam there in the first, and then really settled in for the rest of the game. Yeah, you know Hannah's Hannah's a great pitcher. Um, she just kind of was elevating the ball a little bit today, and their hitters just took advantage of that in the first few innings. And um, you know I can't say that she didn't elevate the ball throughout, but she found a way to you know, stabilize herself and just, she was really keen with change-ups. They were really effective today. So I would probably say that's been our best pitch all day and it worked <laughs> really well in some counts. Yeah. Uh, and l- lastly, coach, uh, the Achilles heel, I guess this season for you guys has been conference play. Four yeah. and eight in the yeah. PSAC. You have these really quality out-of-conference wins, but you've got a handful of doubleheaders coming up at home yep. against conference opponents. Uh, you'd have to say a perfect opportunity to kind of right the ship there. Yeah, I think that we needed these um, these wins to kind of get us like, you know, every train needs momentum, and we kind of needed to get the wheels rolling. And, um, you know, I think, like, coming back from Florida, we had really great vibes, and then we lost some really close one-run games, and that's just just can be defeating because we're right there. Like, it could literally go either way, and unfortunately, they didn't go our way. Um, so, this is a big weekend for us coming up. You know, we need to show our presence. We need to get a couple of wins here to then once we flip over again and start playing everybody the second time, then that's when we need to take care of business. The Rams get two wins last night right here on WPM and WCST at home, 2-1 and 10-2 over the visiting Frostburg State Bobcats and moves their record to 21-11. and So their hot start continues on, and like you heard there, some good pitching, some good defense, and timely hitting all come through for uh, the uh, Rams beating the Bobcats. And then Millersville and Westchester coming up uh, all here at home. So uh, that bodes well for them, especially with two long road trips for Millersville and for Westchester. So uh, what do you think? Do you think they got enough to make a little bit of a conference run to 
keep going with this good run of form that they've had all season long? Yeah, I'd have to say so. I mean, again, it comes down to having a lot of arms uh, pitching. Ruffner and Lang are both very good starters for them. Didn't even see Lang yesterday. And then you throw McBride into that. And then top to bottom, I like the way this team has, again, prof- professional at-bats. Pertel at the top, I-, I like that she hits leadoff and can just get opportunities to get on base and score runs. Has already set the program record in that category. You know, Donnelly's talented. Mance is third on the team in batting average. And again, is their number nine hitter. Clatterbuck uh, does a good piece of hitting as well. Kylie Condon's got a little bit of pop. They run the base as well. Um, they're stout defensively. I think Beeler out in left field had a fantastic game, made a couple of key catches um, up and down both of these games for Shepard. So they check a lot of boxes. Uh, for whatever reason, they just haven't been able to win in conference play. Uh, this is a team that dominated conference play the last couple of seasons. So if they're able to do that again, then absolutely. But for whatever reason, that's kind of been, uh, again, the Achilles heel for Shepard. If they're able to right those wrongs, then this could be one of the best teams in this part of the country. So in the entire side of the PSAC East, only two teams have less losses overall than Shepard, and that's East Strasburg, who's at the top of the division with a 9-3 and conference record in 21-9. and And then Shippensburg is 13-10 and in conference play, which the Rams were able to get the split with them on the road. It really boils down to can you win in conference play. And if this stretch, it's huge. This is the stretch of the season if you want to look at it for this weekend. Friday, a doubleheader against Millersville. It's the first time this season they've seen Millersville and Westchester. And they have to make the long drive down to Shepherdstown. It bodes in their favor to turn the tides and really push them back into the middle of the pack and pushing for that last spot to get into the tournament. I feel like they got to at least win four out of these six right now. You got the advantage. You're at home. It's a weekend coming down. A lot of these teams coming down all the way. A lot of people might have Easter on their mind this weekend, too, so you might see some people checked out, too. That might be a psychological thing coming into play. And then Shippensburg coming in Tuesday following next week. I think getting them at home is important because you have that mental advantage. You split with them on the road, and that's really what you look for in baseball and softball. If you can split on the road and sweep at home, that's where you really get your advantage. But again, six conference games in a row. We've talked at length, four and eight in conference play. If you can get that up, we're talking a team that can legitimately make a run in the tournament. If not, then maybe we need to temper our expectations a little bit. But again, this stretch this weekend, probably biggest stretch of the season. We had some baseball, some uh, local high school baseball and softball also in action around the area yesterday. Hedgesville getting a 13-3 win. Unfortunately, Park over Berkeley Springs. Allegheny 6-2 over Martinsburg. Washington beating Broad Run 4-1. Those are your baseball scores. Then softball, Musman, a big win over Martinsburg, 20-1. Then Berkeley Springs making up for uh, the baseball team getting a 9-1 win over Hancock. So these scores seem a little surprising from yesterday. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, Berkeley Springs put up a pretty good fight in a couple of team times they played EPAC in baseball. Uh, but Hedgesville, uh, you know, a lot of people, we, we go back and forth with the texture yesterday was talking about how good Jefferson is. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people would say that if Jefferson's not the best team in the panhandle right now, it's probably Hedgesville. Allegheny beating Martinsburg's a big win. You know, Martinsburg got off to a really good start, but they're kind of stumbling here. We're, we're starting to enter the midpoint of the season. Uh, and the Bulldogs need to right the ship in that regard. And Washington, um, they're a talented team. I don't know much about Broad Run, um, but, you know, EPAC school is trying to play local out-of-state competition. You don't have to, you know, they'd rather play somebody across the, the, the river in Maryland or Pennsylvania or Virginia as opposed to going three hours back west to play somebody in West Virginia. So they're able to pick up a win there. And then in softball, what's funny is you look at the the different ways this game's been reported. 
One side had it 19 to nothing, Musselman over Martinsburg. The other had 20 to one. Hmm. Either way, it looks like it's a 19 point or 19 run victory um, for a pretty talented Musselman team. And Martinsburg still trying to figure things out. And Berkeley Springs, we talked about it. You know, don't overlook them for softball. It's going to be fun to see um, what they can do towards the end of this season because it sounds like they've got some heavy hitters. And a Hancock team that you're holding to just one run is certainly a very good showing. Yeah, definitely so. And then really for that softball stretch, they got another one coming up. Two road games. They got Hampshire today on the road. Then you're going at Spring Mills this next Monday. Then you got James Wood at home. Hancock once again in a return matchup, which if you want to call it a road game, you can, but it's literally just across the bridge. Yeah, it doesn't count. And then they got a bunch of road games coming up later in the stretch of the season. But they've been up and down. They started really good. Four and one start to their season. Had a midseason skid that brought them back to 500. But now they're trying to crawl back into this. If they get a couple wins on the road, it's all about it's all about getting wins on the road and quality wins on the road at that. If they can find a couple, then we could probably talk about this team being something of a competitive team coming into tournament play. But again, it's all about winning on the road right now. Well, let us know what you think. You can text us 304-263-4321 or you can tweet us at EP Sports Network. But we'll step aside and be back with more after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting from the Hoppy Kirchville building. Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. You can text us 304-263-4321, or you can tweet us at EP Sports Network. Wrapping up kind of our uh, local baseball softball coverage, West Virginia in action last night, taking on Marshall with a 15-9 to win. Pretty good game for the Mountaineers, uh, and also good games from uh, uh, Braden Berry, Dane Leonard, Caleb uh, McNeely with four, two, and two RBIs respectively. These uh, these Mountaineers look like, Luke, they can hit, and they can hit in a big way. Yeah, they absolutely can. They're 22-7 and now on the season. This is a fun game uh, down at Power Park, which is where Marshall plays a lot of their home games in Charleston. That's where the state baseball Gilmore tournament Park, is. Dude. Say what? Go-Mart. Oh, Go-Mart Park. Go-Mart, dude. Um, You're showing your age saying Power Park. Yeah. Uh, But West Virginia had to rally late in this game because of some issues in their bullpen. It was great to see them still win games. And and like you mentioned, all all the players that had a very good performance, including J.J. Weatherholt, who is the best second baseman in college baseball right now. He's still hitting over 400. He's having an unbelievable season running the bases as well. He's a uh, pure sophomore, or else he is trending towards being a – a single-digit pick in the Major League Baseball draft. But Barry's a good pe- uh, had a good piece of hitting yesterday. Dane Leonard, their three hitters, their catcher. You know, this team was going to have middle-of-the-lineup concerns at the beginning of this season, but McNeely's come in as an underclassman, and Leonard is, has risen up the transfer for Virginia Tech and has really performed well. Um, it, it's just a matter of trying to nail down that midweek starter because uh, Van Kempen starts this game and struggles. Jake Carr, uh, the Charleston product, uh, certainly comes in and struggles. Some other guys come in and help bail them out. Carlson Reed strikes out the side for the final uh, inning. He's somebody that I think still is, is going to be the Mountaineers' ace by the time it's all said and done. He's just struggled to stretch things out. When this team is successful, we saw it in 2019. We saw it in the past with Randy Mazie teams. They have very good midweek pitching. This team is not quite there yet. That's the last piece they need. Offense is great. They run the bases well. They're great defensively, and their bullpen's pretty great. They just need more depth uh, in their rotation behind what they're getting from Ben Hampton and behind what they're getting from Dane Traxel, their number one and their number two. They need that third pitcher to emerge. Um, But, yeah, this Mountaineer team, there's some similarities between this year and 2019, the team that hosted the regional, uh, and wins like this, tough, gritty performances against a rival like this 
are things that you look back at at the end of the season and say, this is how we got here. Well, they've gotten a pretty good head start in the conference play, which is really just getting started. 22-7, and seven, the Mountaineers are uh, here at the really midway point of the season. They got Kansas coming up, but sitting at third in the Big 12 at 2-1, and one, and Big 12 has always been a good baseball conference. Do you think that they have, like kind of like I asked you about, um, like Shepard, do they have the firepower, do they have the team to be able to stay top three, top four, top half of the Big 12? Yeah, I absolutely think so. Um, Coming up against Kansas, you know, Kansas is one of those kind of average teams that's at home at Wagner Field, Mont County Ballpark. Uh, If you can take two out of three games from that series and then go into the rest of conference play, you got a really tough Oklahoma State team. You have to go to Stillwater, but you get TCU at home this year, which is really important. Baylor on the road is going to be tough, but you get Oklahoma at home, which is going to be important. Uh, You've got to make Wagner Field the best home field advantage you can. You know, someone's been posting attendances after each game for WVU baseball. And at the beginning of the season, as you would expect, bad weather, bad teams, you know, 1,500 people are there. But now as conference play starting, you're starting to get attendances around 2,500 to 3,000. And Mon County Ballpark seats a little over 3,000. It could fit 5,000. You need to have at least 3,000 people a game here for these conference games to make it a, a real home field advantage. I think they'd be able to do that. To do that, excuse me. Uh, and to borrow an expression from Randy Mazey, you know, he said good baseball teams have one 10-game winner. Talking about pitching, great teams have two 10-game winners, and elite teams have three. People remember the 2019 team had Alec Manoa and it had Nick Schneider, both of whom won 10 games. This team's got Ben Hampton, who's a 10-game winner. Traxel is trending towards being there. If they can get that second and or third 10-game win starting pitcher or someone that's capable of that, then this team absolutely will stay top half in conference play and make an NCAA regional. Do they get many students at those games? Because the, the stadium's a little out there from really any part of uh, campus. It's You know, it's really up and down. It's, it's inconsistent. When they run buses over, that helps. If it's giveaways, that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's Naturally. not. It's yeah. It's not like um, they don't have like big student sections right. of fans. No, so it, it's kind of more up to the townies, as you like to refer to it, to to, to try to make it a. a I'm still yet to get up there for a, for a baseball. game. It's a cool place to watch a game, yeah. and I I don't know if I've said this on the air before, but the rumor has been for people that know the geography of Morgantown, they'd like to add, and this is never going to happen before people jump all over me, a PRT station that goes from say. the Coliseum all the way down that valley and up to the University Town Center. That's like five miles. I don't think that's ever going to happen. It'd be a long PRT ride. Can you imagine <laughs> oh, that from downtown? Dude. Well, could you imagine getting stuck on that? <laughs> that's thing? true. Oh, like, if you're stuck over, I can't remember what uh, if that's the Mon or if that's uh, Decker's Creek that you run over there. I think it's the Mon. Could you imagine being stuck in a PRT car over the Mon? <laughs> no. Oh my oh, gosh, gosh. That'd, be miserable. that'd be a great way to get students to the game, though. Yeah, it would. But it's just—it seems like it's just far enough away from campus. It's like Lock Haven's uh, football field. It's just <laughs> it's a little far bit of an enough away, you know, to where why would a student, especially like you said, the beginning of the season where teams aren't very good, it's cold, whatever. Why would you want to make the effort to get out there? But uh, it is—it looks like a great place to watch a ball game when the weather's nice. But yeah, I mean, WU's doing good right now. Top 25 program still right now. 24 in the nation right now. Third in the Big 12. It, a lot of hype going around this baseball team, which is really good, especially for what was a tumultuous first half of the season for basketball and what was a full tumultuous season for football. It's good to see West Virginia getting themselves back into the top 25 in rankings, being consistent throughout, and really a good chance if they piece things together to really make some noise in Big 12 play. And really things are going to start heating up once this weekend comes up, they play Kansas starting on Friday in a three-game series in Morgantown. 
Then you get Oklahoma State, which is a huge, huge series in Stillwater. Oklahoma State, number one team in the Big 12 right now. They're 16th in the nation. And then later on, you get Texas, the other team ranked in the Big 12 right now. Really, it's going to be those three teams. You look at them right now, it's going to be a three-horse race going into this. they got to find a way to get these wins against at least split, I think, against Oklahoma State. Try and get at least one out of those three. If you can get two out of those three, that's a huge win for this program. But it's going to boil down to those type of things. And as mentioned before, the pitching takes you far in college baseball. And if you got that, you're looking good. You can text this 304-263-4321. You brought up getting stuck on the PRT. And a text here says, thanks for the trip down memory lane. You know, <laughs> I think everybody's gotten stuck. I, I didn't even go there stuck. and I got stuck on the PRT. I, I wrote it pretty much every day for two years as a student and I never got stuck. I got inconvenienced by people getting stuck when I was waiting to get on one. Uh, but I yeah. never got stuck in one. That seems horrifying to me. Yeah. Put that little Jeep out on the tracks and it's just kind of every man for himself. I was stuck yeah. going to a basketball game. <laughs> wasn't a student. Wasn't I? Don't even think allowed really on the PRT. Oh, if you're not it's, a student. it's it's you know everybody knows how you handle the turnstiles yeah. there in Morgantown. <laughs> he's got Let's jump them. Yeah, he's got to jump them <laughs> real quick. Ain't nobody at the stations anyways. But uh, send us your text three zero four two six three four three two one. We'll be back after this for more Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live, heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. If you missed any of our regional talk, you can uh, listen back to the show a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. You can get in touch with us. You can text us 304-263-4321 or tweet us at EP Sports Network. Of course, we are your home for Baltimore Orioles baseball. You won't be hearing them tonight or today. Tonight, it would have been today. It would have been an early game because it was uh, the home opener against the Yankees, but uh, oddly enough, I, I don't know how many times I've seen this happen, but the game was postponed. Today's game was postponed yesterday because of inclement weather forecasted for today. So they will have a doubleheader on Friday. Uh, no Orioles game today, but they played yesterday and unfortunately lost on the road against the Rangers 5-2. to two. But it was a big game because of the uh, starting pitcher for the Orioles. Yeah, definitely so. Grayson Rodriguez, he was highly touted coming out. It was a big day, and he goes five innings, strikes out five, and gets pulled at that point. But overall, a pretty good first showing. He was outdueled by DeGrom in this one. It was the rookie for the Rangers, I think, stole the show, and Josh Jung, he hit a uh, home run shot that broke the tie and pushed the Rangers to the 5-2 victory. But overall, a good little showing from Rodriguez. I was hearing part of the reason why he got caught up because one of the pitchers for the Orioles got hurt and was on the IL for a little bit. But I think it's a good bring-up. I think it's a bring-up that they needed. And a guy who could really be the number one ace here towards the end of the season, the more he grows into it. I didn't think he was going to go super deep into this game. Only five innings was the smart decision just to really warm him up. And he was out there facing, arguably, when healthy, the best pitcher in baseball in Jacob deGrom. So that's a well, that's a big welcome to the MLB moment. And a moment that Grayson Rodriguez is going to take and I'm sure is going to develop more and more as it brings along. Because, again, this is one of the top, if not the top pitching prospect in MLB right now. He comes up, and it's a team in the Orioles. We've mentioned their youth and the exposure that this youth is getting early. If they use this and develop this, again, it's going to be a really, really good team. If a year from now, two years from now, they keep building on this, and it's going to be special. But the Rangers, sadly, did pull it off on the O's yesterday, 5-2. to two. And I misspoke. It's not a doubleheader tomorrow. I just have it wrong on my calendar. Just uh, 
Straight up game tomorrow, 305 against the Yankees. That'll be the home opener. Weather looks like it should be pretty good uh, down in Baltimore. A little bit cloudy, a little bit on the chillier side, but um, a lot better than it's supposed to be today. And uh, it was just strange that they canceled it already because it looks like it's a nice day out. And the, the, at least the rain that's due for us here keeps getting pushed back further and further into the day. So maybe they could have gotten it in, maybe not. But I think, honestly, a home opener in Baltimore on a Friday is a little nicer than a home, home opener on a Thursday. Yeah, and well, this is why Major League Baseball, you see it for opening day as well. The second day is always an off day so they can have that flex moving mm-hmm. from Thursday to Friday if there's rain like this. But like you said, I mean, they want to get it get out in front of it so people can make you know change plans because you want to make it a sellout, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still odd that they canceled it as early as they did because, like you said, I don't think it's going to start raining here until like 5 or 6 right. o'clock. So, I mean, I'm no expert, but it is kind of odd. It's a tough loss for them, like you said. Uh, I think that the Orioles' outlook on their organization is more long-term than short-term. Yes, they want to compete right now, and we think they can, but it's more important that they get players up to snuff to compete for years to come. Uh, throwing Rodriguez against DeGrom, it's a tough way to make your debut. Yeah, welcome to the MLB. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, he was close to toe-to-toe with them. I mean, DeGrom's DeGrom, but Rodriguez did nothing wrong. You know, it was the bullpen that let them down again. And I think, to me, uh, pitching is obviously the biggest concern for the SOS team because they're electrifying offense, even though they only have scored two runs. They're dynamic from top to bottom. But you've had issues with starting pitching, and this is multiple times your bullpen's cost you in a game. So that's something that needs to be addressed. The starting pitching has already been addressed by way of the fact that Rodriguez is called up. D.L. Hall is coming up soon. I think I've said this like four days in a row. I'm sorry. And John Means is coming back soon. He was meeting with the media the other day, and I know he's up and throwing a little bit. That's going to be addressed. The bullpen at some point is going to need to be addressed for this team Um, because I think it's even though they're building, it's still a failure of a season this year, in my opinion, if the Orioles don't win at least 75 Mm -hmm. games, if not 80. Um, but uh, I still liked some of what I saw from Rodriguez yesterday, and it'll be fun to see him take on the Yankees in a three-game series. Well, on that note with um, Major League Baseball, like you have here in the rundown, I mean, these games are flying. The pitch clock, the different you know time management things that they've implemented this year for the first time really this year, um, these games are scooting along. Like it says, the shortest it's been since 1983. I mean, these games are averaging like two hours, 15 minutes, two hours, 30 minutes, which is insane to me and as a tv viewer it's great i mean watching baseball on tv sometimes can be a little bit of a drag but these games are moving moving but on the other end of that when like down in spring training i mean we get to a game you get settled you go get a drink get something to eat you know you check out the place next thing you know boom it's already the seventh inning stretch and you missed (laughs) half the game and all you did was just walk from one foul pole to the other so how are you guys feeling just you know a week into the mlb season with how quick the games are moving i think it's almost perfect and that time's dropped to the average time right now is 238 Mm -hmm. and this is with some pretty uh, awful score lines like every single cardinal game has been over that average just because of the offense that we've seen so far i think it's perfect and i agree with what you're saying the the biggest disagreement people have is well it kind of ruins a day at the ballpark Mm -hmm. what i would say is if that's you that's fine go watch batting practice you know show up an hour early. early you know if you if you want to make a lap around the stadium and you know like you said Make sure you get all your food and you don't miss any of the game, which I agree, which is something that I do even when games were four hours mm-hmm. long. Go watch batting practice. Show up an hour early. Watch the away team hit. Walk around the stadium. A lot of places don't let you get in. I, uh, I don't think – when I went to a game last year at Camden Yards, they wouldn't let you in 
for batting practice. So, well, the way it works still, when I went to the last game I was at was at Fenway last year, and it was you can't watch the home team hit. Yeah. You get in. Which is like, that's why you're there. Exactly. Like, yeah. the you get in about 15 minutes into the away team mm-hmm. having BP. So you get batting practice overlap there for a little bit, and then everybody goes back to the dugout, and that's when you can kind of meander around. And that's what we did at Fenway. We watched the Cardinals hit, um, and then we went and, and found where we wanted to eat and then took it to the seats and then just and just sat there. Um, but I, I'm, I'm all for it. In fact, I want the games to be even true. I think about two and a half hours is a perfect length for a baseball game. You know, we did the softball games yesterday here in WEPM and WCST. They played 14 innings in four hours and with a 30-minute stop mm-hmm. between the games. I mean, they were moving. It was competitive. We got time to get our commercial breaks, and that's the biggest thing. If the games have gotten shorter. If Major League Baseball really wants to pony up and make things shorter, uh, average commercial time hasn't changed. You know, come on, fellas. You know, let's, let's take our hands out of our wallets and knock another 30 seconds off of those breaks, and then maybe things will get mm. even shorter. I don't know. They I, won't, but I'm just I, I think, I think I, personally, this is about as short as I can really take it. <laughs> now, again, watch all TV. It's great for flying through, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, dang, at the ballpark, if I'm going to the ballpark, yeah, like, whatever. If you're at Fenway, I've done the Fenway thing. You go, you go on the tour, you want to get there early, check it out, right? But if I'm going to Nats Park, if I'm going to Camden Yards, I mean, I don't necessarily care to get to the game, you know, an hour early, however early for batting practice. And once you get into the game, you want to feel like you're at the game and not just there, you know, at a college game or a high school game that's flying by. Yeah, I I understand that sentiment, too. But at the end of the day, if you look at it from an overall over the top perspective for Major League Baseball, most of their fan base are going to be watching these games from home. And I think that's Mm -hmm. where they're catering the pitch clock to. And I understand that. I totally get it. I think it's good for the game, too, because... It's it was arduous to watch baseball for four hours. Yeah, you'd have to plan your day around it, which is hard. But it's the same. I mean, games were averaging the same length as a football as an NFL game, which I think is good. Personally, if NFL games like it's it's no. I'm talking before the the time clock was put in. Before the pitch. Oh, clock before was before the pitch clock was put in. People shouldn't complain because right. it was the same. Yeah, way. You, you can't compare like the football and the baseball thing because the games on TV, the games in general are the same length. Yeah, football is a little bit more fast paced, obviously, right, with how mm-hmm. the games played, but it's still the same amount of time. So, like, you can't necessarily, I don't think, use the the time, attention span, you know, time span thing when it comes to that because it, and it, this all comes down to the Yankees and the Red Sox. Literally, it is because their their games are averaging like five hours long for absolutely no reason. Yeah, no, I understand. I mean, but like you said, uh, there's just a lot more to captivate your attention for a football game than an average person watching a mm-hmm. baseball game. I mean, if you kind of are paying attention to what's going on behind the scenes and the strategy of it, then it's not that big a deal. But they're trying to. Uh, but let's just all agree on this, I guess, definitively. Um, I've had multiple people come up to me, and I don't know why they would think I would know the answer to this question, but asking, and we, we came up to us at the home show and asked this question. How can I watch Orioles games in Martinsburg? Because mm-hmm. of regional blackouts. You know, yeah. baseball continues to... You can't watch it on Masson? Uh, I watch them on Masson. I think you have to add it to your TV package. Oh. I just default to sports package. Where I'm at in Morgantown, we don't get what I don't know what it is, root sports. Mm-hmm. Unless I, my dad's got direct TV, unless he pays extra to get that uh, in his sports package. And we're not pirate fans, yeah. so we don't pay it. But we can't watch 
12 Cardinal games a year when they mm-hmm. play the Cardinals in the division. But, you know, that's the thing. Um, listening to promos and seeing the promos on television, Major League Baseball saying, we heard the fans and we listened. You know, we made games shorter. You know, it's stuff like that. And they just let us watch them. And, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's just a, a whole host of people that would like to watch their team play that would pay, that are paying X amount of dollars for the MLB ticket, you know, to watch whatever mm-hmm. and don't get it because of regional blackouts. Well, as, soon, as, well, as long as regional blackouts exist, Major League Baseball is going to struggle to retain and garner more viewers from a younger audience. And uh, no, if, if the game takes 90 minutes, that's right. not going to change. Right. No. no, I agree with that. No, I'm 100% with that. And the whole psychological thing to regional blackouts is I, I just don't understand it. I get you're wanting people to go to the ballpark and just go. But again, I, I, I'm just not a fan of the regional blackout. I think it's bad overall. And it's this is all, I think trying to tailor baseball to a younger audience and bring more younger eyes to the sport. Because if you look at it perspective-wise, more more than ever, the average baseball fan, I would say, would be much older than the average football and basketball fan, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. I, that Just that demographic. They're trying to get more young people to like the sport of baseball. And I think that's been accomplished really well. I've gone at length on this show before talk about the young crop that's coming up in Major League Baseball right now. There are so many good young players in the sport. Yeah, but there's ways to make baseball attractive to a younger audience. There's other ways than making the game 25 minutes long. Yeah, there's other ways. Let them let them have a little bit more fun. Because, like you said, with all these young guys, all the and you look at that, that that Jazz Chisholm, right? Yeah, he's flamboyant. He's out there. He's doing crazy stuff out on the field. Let him do that. I mean, that's fun to watch, right? That'll keep the younger audience in instead of the snobby kind of buttoned up nature that baseball tends to you know lead itself into now the mistake i'm afraid that baseball might be making you know lots of people think the generation that's coming up right now and i'm not gonna wear my uh, old man yells at clouds hat here but a lot of people a lot of people are shortening things because we have shorter attention spans now our attention spans are getting a lot shorter than what they used to be that's why we've seen the rise of like tiktok for example shorting just shorts just in and out type of content if that's the route they're wanting to take with this i don't i think right now like we've mentioned the length is perfect the way it is it shouldn't go any shorter keep it to where it is but there there are better ways to bring more people to the sport than the idea of trying to shorten things as much as possible to just trim the fat and get as much money out of it as possible there there are better ways to do it i think well, before we get to this first break, or this last break, rather, uh, you can text us, 304-263-4321. Uh, you can also tweet us at EP Sports Network. Sports reporter, part-time sports reporter, Marshall Marsha, sent me a message here from the Tennessee Titans that uh, Trevin Wesco just signed, and he is a South Berkeley Musselman High School uh, graduate, native, so shout out to him for signing with the Titans. He signed that contract, I think it was last week. Yeah. He's had a longer career than I thought. Played at Musselman, played at WVU. Tight end, fullback, hybrid, just an absolute mountain of a man. A hey, good piece of business for him. Yeah, I think so too. Tight Absolutely. ends, they're a dime a dozen nowadays. Everybody wants that good, big tight end, and uh, he definitely, at least, at least in these pictures I'm seeing, uh, fits that role. But then that makes me in the back of my head think about, um, you know, Brian Walker. And you look at him, and he he almost looks. You see the picture of uh, Wesco running here, and it almost looks. You squint your eyes enough, looks like him, but then that's also the buzzsaw he's running into in this NFL draft process, him trying to make it to the next level. But anyways, shout out Trevin Wesco, signing with the Titans. 
Shout out to the Muscleman Appleman football team as well for uh, producing NFL talent. But we'll step aside one final time. We'll come back and wrap things up on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Icewinner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone, broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Building. And it's time for Parker's Picks. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. Yesterday's lock of the day did hit. Shane McClanahan struck out six for the Rays as they remained undefeated, beating the Nationals yesterday 7-2. to two. Now, the other bonus picks I have for today sadly did not come through. Grayson Rodriguez, I had him under four and a half strikeouts. I thought they were going to pull him a little earlier than what they did. He ended up getting just above that at five. So the perfect line put out right there, just on the opposite side of that one. And the Twins have lost two straight to the Miami Marlins. I thought Pablo Lopez was going to have a little revenge game against Miami. Turned out to be the opposing pitcher, Jesus Lazardo, struck out 10 for the Miami Marlins, who, I don't know, are they going to make it like a sneaky run, guys, Miami? Do you think they got some pieces? It's April. No. It's April. No. I, I'm rooting for the Marlins, though. I want to see them do good. Like I got they're, they're really fun. Like, I mean, you had you got Sandy Alcantara, one of the best pitchers in the league. Jazz Chisholm's one of the most fun players in the league. And there's just other pieces around there, too. They got Luis Arise in a trade with Minnesota that sent Pablo Lopez to the Twins. He's a solid hitter. I don't know. Well, they might need to add like one or two more pieces, but I'm rooting for Miami to make a little bit of noise, hopefully. But that division is just so tough. It's such a tough division. But going into today's picks, I'm going with one of my favorite players in the league, Rafi Devers. I got him getting two-plus total bases for today's lock of the day against the Detroit Tigers. I really like what Rafi's been doing so far this season. He's He's looking solid, really establishing why that contract was given to him in Boston. He absolutely deserves that contract. One of the best third baseman in baseball. I think the best offensive third baseman in baseball personally, but Rafi Devers two plus total bases today against the Detroit Tigers. I got Ronald Acuna getting two bases as well today against the Padres left-handed pitcher, Blake Snell coming out today. Ronald Acuna statistically does a little bit better against left-handed pitching than right-handed pitching. So I'm going with Ronald Acuna to get two total bases. Plus, he's got a lot of speed on him. He can get that done in one at bat and get a double two if he can get onto the outfield. Freddie Freeman as well as I got two plus total bases today is his Dodgers are going to be taking on the Arizona Diamondbacks in Arizona. He's going to be facing off against Merrill Kelly. Freddie Freeman, left-handed batter, right-handed pitching. I like that matchup for Freddie Freeman. Two plus total bases for the veteran first baseman. So Rafi Devers, two plus. Ronald Acuna, two plus. Freddie Freeman, two plus total bases. Rock with that today. Yeah, talking about the, uh, the, I mean, you can wrap the Rays into this too. I mean, it's April. Some of these teams are going to yeah, be playing well, you know, right now. But it is fun to watch. I mean, the Rays, I guess, are most uh, present in my mind because they're playing the Nationals. But uh, they look pretty good, man. Some of these Florida teams, maybe they've started to turn it around a little bit. Yeah, the Rays know they're the Rays know they're getting a new uh, getting a new ballpark. So they're moving why to Montreal. Not? What do you yeah. mean? Yeah, why Montreal. not turn it up in the Trop they're one last to time, man? Turn it up in the Trop. I mean, I've been to the Trop now once, and there was maybe like forty people there. I think for that spring training game. But I can see where that place would be a heck of a time uh, packed up for a playoff game. Although, are you guys as uh, as crazy as the internet was when uh, the Rays unveiled their wild card uh, banner with uh, the wild card? They got yeah, swept didn't in. Need that. <laughs> I mean, hey, they made it. Put it up. You made it. Why not? We we made it. Woohoo! Even it's, if you got swept, it's like a participation trophy. Like we we made the playoffs, guys. Who was it that uh, I saw in show prep 
banning. Uh, I think it was pres- North Carolina. Yeah, banning participation trophies. Yeah, I think North Carolina, the state's trying to. Way to ban- go, guys! Try, is trying to ban the. <laughs> way, to, uh, way to put that line in the sand. I know, yeah. like you don't have more important things to worry about other than participation trophies. I think there's. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I think there should be an age cutoff for it. I think once you get to like middle school. Then, yeah, then like, like once you get out of little league age, like 12, 13, whatever, then maybe the participation trophy should start to slow down a little bit. But before that, look, if you're a six year old kid or whoever, right, is playing little league and they lose, you know, 17 games, why not give them a trophy anyways? Dude? Sure. They're just learning. Now I'm just trying to see like the agenda for this uh, Senate meeting or House meeting for North Carolina. All right, gentlemen, let's see. Uh, tax cuts, health care, uh, participation trophies. And yeah. go, go from there. Big red yeah. circle around the participation trophies. Uh, all right, let's, let's get rid of these. Let's get rid of these. <laughs> I'd send Luke to that, uh, that council that one, meeting. Yeah, yeah send you to that one. Yeah. <laughs> you can get in touch with us. Text us 304-263-4321. Or you can tweet us at EP Sports Network. I see on here West Virginia's getting black jerseys. Is this for, uh, for football? Well, so this is – it was a big day, by the way, yesterday in West Virginia Athletics. The Beat Marshall in Baseball – and veiled Mark Kellogg as the new women's basketball coach. They pick up a huge transfer in Kirk Kreisha uh, mm-hmm. for the basketball team. I was l- j- literally just watching the video of him getting into a verbal shouting match with Luka Doncic when uh, <laughs> Estonia played Slovenia, and I-, I-, I think it was FIBA. But so the the controversy about the the black jerseys. I don't know what YouTube channel it was, but one of those like twenty something year olds that goes around and tours college facilities. Oh yeah, he was talking to Jose Perez about their jerseys. And he may or may not have accidentally unveiled that West Virginia was getting black jerseys. Now, people have been calling for black jerseys for a long time. My freshman year, there was a petition that got up to like 50,000 signatures for them to have a, a, I can't remember what they wanted to call it, a blackout, like a call out for a football game. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in his infinite wisdom, Shane Lyons was from the start of his tenure to the end of it, anti-black jerseys. He's gone. Ren Baker's in, and now it looks like basketball, football, every sport would be eligible to go back to having black jerseys. Uh, the final four year for basketball had black jerseys. Uh, football is not something they've done a lot of. I would be very much for it, although uh, there's been a disagreement from the fan base on the color schemes. I would like it to be a like a Raiders black with gray and like silver accents. Like a like a pickaxe for coal. I don't think black and gold would work as well for the Mountaineers. Well, I there's think your you, representation right there. Yeah, say I remember when they wore that jersey and it had the uh, like the blue piping down the side that you exactly. couldn't really see. It was almost mm-hmm. purple. Yeah, in my opinion, I'd rather see them go to silver and black as opposed to black and gold. You know, I think that's too much pit and Steelers and whatever. Mm-hmm. But getting black jerseys back because the fan base has wanted it for a long time. Again, Jose Perez might have accidentally leaked that those are coming. Uh, and I'm here for it. I'm absolutely, you know, you're playing Penn yeah, State week one, black jerseys. Come on. A blacked out Milan Puskar would be pretty cool. Oh, my goodness. That'd be in the striped, striped out stadium is pretty neat, but a blacked out one would be pretty cool. I was at the Maryland-Miami game uh, where they beat Miami. was at 2000 and like, pfft. Gosh, last time Miami was super relevant like Dating that. yourself here. I know. It was, a long t- it was a long time ago. I was old enough to tailgate for it, too, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, well, maybe just barely old enough to tailgate for it. But uh, blacked out, and they ended up rushing, rushing the field. It was pretty cool. But I guess it would be tough would be tough to think of a good combination for the Mountaineers with that blue and gold and black. Because like with these jerseys, I just, I'm just looking at a picture of it now. It does look like purple instead of blue down the stripe. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, the, down the, 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 basketball, the basketball jerseys. Ones. Again, like I said, silver, uh, maybe white and uh, and black. I think hmm. it'd be better than gold and black. But they need to go away from. I can't stand and I, 
correct me if they're not wearing these anymore, but when it's just the flying WV on the chest for basketball jerseys, yes. they were gray, I think. Do they have those this year? They have worn those in the past. I well, can't those what can't the stand them. Look like this. No, they look I like, like the jer- they look like the jerseys West you can pick up at like Burlington Coat Factory for <laughs> six bucks. My, the one that has the number in the middle, it says West on top, Virginia on the bottom. Mm-hmm. That's, that's 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 yeah, I like that one. That needs that to down? stay. Yeah, yeah, like yeah exactly. Like yeah, that. the one behind us here. <laughs> well, for Dennis Glitchland, by the way, Kirk Kreisha, another European player. There you go. Came from Arizona, averaged ten points. Let's try and get Let's try and get him to wear thirteen, then we'll have a we'll have a jersey on hand. There you go. There's no name on that, right? No, no name on Perfect. it. Perfect. Well, I guess it's a college jersey from back then. There's definitely not a name. No, on it. Mm. they definitely weren't making money back then. <laughs> Speaking of which, I was talking with a buddy about we're talking about NCAA football video games and how the best thing was uh, taking however long it took to download all the actual names mm. illegally offline to put into the NCAA <laughs> game, so you had the actual names for all the rosters. Well, they made like there was guys who like made the rosters and then you download oh, yeah. them off there and stuff. There was a I was working on a, like a project. This is when like COVID hit and everything. I got bored and had nothing to do, so I I took my little brother's old PS3 because I got I had the game on my. 360 when I used to have one for my Xbox. So I took my brother's old PS3. He had NCAA 12 on it. It was the latest copy I could find cuz if you, if you look up look if NCAA 14 you it's like 300 dollars. It's like 250 300 dollars because it got game. so popular. Absolutely. Yeah, everybody got pop, it got popular again. So I went through that thing. Well, was that what uh Big Cat Barstool was playing during the pandemic? Yeah, he was playing yeah, NCAA 14. Yeah. yeah. That was fun though. That was uh, a I fun series to watch. What was that guy's name? Tubbs? <laughs> yeah, Dugs. Yeah, t- Coach Dugs. Coach Dugs. Yeah, yeah, Coach Dugs. Leading the Vols. Leading the Vols to the Natty. The, the, the one game I electric. watched, he played West Virginia in the national championship. <laughs> it was electric. That video is Did he lose like Virginia Tech in one of the national title games too? And then that's like that. when he took, because then he left to take over Toledo, and then he so, won the national championship with Toledo. Like and then it was Florida State, Tennessee, then Toledo. Or maybe it was Toledo. He went back to Toledo. Maybe he started with Toledo. But he ended up getting presented in real life the key to the city of Toledo by the mayor <laughs> for fake winning for virtually winning the Toledo's national championship got nothing going on <laughs> it was at one of their like college football game day things and they pre- had this big presentation for virtually winning the national championship oh my gosh that's great uh, i guess that's one way to get a key to the city one way well what do you got guys about a minute left any uh, anything left so uh, missed? i wanted to mention this interesting thing that i just saw this morning apparently tyree kill has plans to retire pretty soon guys so he uh, well, he's so, sneaky old he's 20 he'll be I believe 31 he said he wanted to retire by the end of 2025 he's got a game that does not age well no so, yeah that's the thing he's, he's t- 29 right now he said, he'll be a raven yeah he said he wanted to, <laughs> yeah it's crazy he said he wanted to get out finish his contract with the dolphins and be done is what he said. So I don't know the validity of that, but he said it in an interview. So could be could be Tyree Kill's swan song here in a couple of years. Uh, he'll be a Raven, get picked up, washed up. Everybody will talk like it's the greatest thing ever, and then he'll play one game, and then that's it. And either there that, won't be a Lamar Jackson anyway. Well, he'll either there. be that or he'll play to 40 like Deshaun Jackson is right now. And he, look, look where he ended up. Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah, just like um, – Deion Sanders. People forget he was a uh, Baltimore Raven for two like seasons. Forty years old. <laughs> yeah, super old. Old, De- old Deion. Old Rod Woodson on the Ravens. Well, if you missed any of the show today, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Paint Handle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. You can text us anytime you like three zero four two six three four three two one, or you can tweet us at EP Sports Network for Parker and Luke. I'm Jordan. Paint Handle Live is next. Have a good one. We will not talk to you tomorrow. We'll talk to you on Monday.
WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.